This week's podcast brought to you by Bewigged Ben Franklin. I was talking to our nine-year-old daughter yesterday, and uh, she was frustrated doing something. I can't remember what she was trying to do, but she said, well, that backfailed on me. And I said, the word is actually backfired. And she replied, meh, I like backfailed. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. I was driving one of our daughters to. Uh, socially distanced basketball camp this morning and I was at a red light and next to me at the red light was a woman in a jeep and she looked at me and like smiled pathetically at me in the minivan and um, just brought me back again to if I was in a jeep she would have smiled less pathetically and give me a wave we would have had a little interaction instead it was a pathetic smile no wave because she was in her cool jeep and I was in our awesome minivan. Well, I was getting gas a couple days ago, and um, there was a lady in a convertible. I don't even know what kind of car it was, but she was filling her tank, and a guy in front of me filling his tank. And as the lady was pulling away, the guy said, that's a beautiful car. And I looked up, see the convertible pulling away, and I said to the guy, well, I know you weren't talking to me. I was filling the minivan. (laughs) And he turned around and looked at the minivan and said, right. <laughs> well, who was he talking to? Because if she was pulling away, she certainly didn't hear him. No, she was she was pulling out of, away from the, pulling past him. So oh, okay, he but doing. he could hear it. Oh, okay. I, I love, we've, we've talked about this before. I love our minivan. A friend of ours actually sent me a text the other day. It was just a picture. And she just saw it said was thought of you. And the picture was... <clears throat> colorful rainbow hue fuzzy dice hanging from someone's mirror i kind of wish i had a a jeep or a convertible anything where the roof could have been down um this weekend because i went into work on saturday and sunday into espn we're calling WNBA games from studio saturday i just pulled my hair back into a ponytail but sunday I was, I wore my hair down and as we talked about before because of um covid19 the pandemic the hair COVID nineteen, the pandemic, and the pandemic. Make it sound like the, yes, COVID nineteen, the nineteenth, the eighteenth yeah. sequel to a movie called COVID. Yes, COVID nineteen, the, the pandemic. pandemic. Yes. Um, because of that, because of COVID nineteen, the pandemic. The pandemic. Yes. <laughs> um, we uh, we normally would have hair and makeup people at ESPN, but they don't because, of course, they would have to be you know right touching your face and right near you and and. And they don't want that. So anyway, decided I was going to wear my hair down on Sunday. And in order for it to look decent, I put it in curlers. But I get to studio a couple hours before the game's going to be on. And anyway, I had my hair in giant pink curlers. And I drove to Bristol that way. And my friend who owns the Jeep, because I posted a picture of it on Instagram, and a a friend of mine who owns the Jeep said to me, "Um, did you wear your hair like that too 
while you were driving? I said, yes. And she said, gosh, I wish you had borrowed our Jeep. And then everyone, as you're driving down the highway, can see you with the curlers in your hair. So uh, that would have been sweet if I was in that lady, the woman at the gas station, if I was in her convertible or in my friend's Jeep with my, and they're bright pink too. They're, oh, they're big. They're these big, I'll post a picture on our ball and chain Instagram and bright pink, just glorious curlers. It's kind of a combination of my Phyllis Diller fantasy and, um, if you remember the comic strip Andy Cap, the wife in Andy Cap always had her hair in curlers. Well, I guess back in the day, everybody in comic strips and sitcoms had their hair in curlers. You had comic strip fantasies? Oh, that was not not of Andy Cap's wife. It I just said rem- Phyllis Diller. You had Phyllis Diller fantasies. Yes, that's, that's what I was saying. <laughs> okay, that's okay. Phyllis Diller fantasies. That's <laughs> the title of my next book. <laughs> It was really exciting to watch um, sports again, in particular women's basketball. The we had we broadcast two games on Saturday and two more on Sunday. There were a total of three on each day, and um, I was a little bit worried that the action on the floor was going to be less, very less than sharp, just because uh, everybody's been off for so long and and people haven't been playing basketball. But the 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 quality of play was, to me, surprisingly, really, really good. We ended up having a great game um, the second day that came down to not a buzzer beater, but a last possession uh, three by Allie Quigley to help Chicago um, beat Vegas. So it, there was some really fun basketball to watch and call. And um, I'll be back in studio this week. And it was just announced yesterday as we record this that um, we have 24 regular season games, and ESPN has just added 13 more regular season games. So that's 37 games, which blows out of the water the amount we've ever done in the past. And then we'll continue to cover all of the playoffs. So um, a ton of WNBA games to watch. And um, if you're looking for sports and, and high-level uh, quality action on the floor, I highly suggest people um Tune in. Our, our next broadcasts will be, we have a doubleheader on Thursday evening on ESPN uh, or ESPN2, I don't remember, um, at I think 6 p.m. and 10 p.m., I believe, are the games this Thursday, Eastern time. Doing programming notes now? Yes. Well, I mean, if I'm going to tell people to watch, I should at least tell them when, even if I don't know exactly the right channel, but I think it's ESPN, but it might be ESPN2. Meanwhile, baseball has, hasn't found a way to play four games without having to <laughs> shut things down. Well, how did they think that was going to work? Like, I get it with soccer and, and NBA and WNBA. You're in a bubble. You're getting tested every day. You're not allowed to leave the bubble except for extenuating circumstances. Yeah, um, like I mean, how you're does required to be at a gentleman's club? If you have to go to gentleman's club or pick up your order of wings, I I just don't I don't understand how um, any other sport thinks it can work if the guys are still living at home and living their normal lives and not quarantining and and is baseball testing every other day they're not even testing every day so um yeah i i mean if if you're going to make it work it seems like at least right now the bubble is the only way to really do it which doesn't bode well for college sports that's for sure what a strange past we've come to imagine a year ago that we'd be talking about the only way to survive COVID-19, the pandemic, <laughs> is to be in a bubble. <laughs> and that would make sense to everybody. Right. It certainly would. And um, it, one of the things that was interesting on one of the games we had this weekend is um, the coaches can choose to to wear mics or not wear mics. And our, our, on Saturday, I think the coaches didn't wear mic, mics or whatever. But And there's also microphones all around the court so we can pick up the ambient sound. Well, we did a game between Connecticut and Minnesota. 
And Kurt Miller, the head coach for the Connecticut Sun, talks nonstop. Like he coaches every single inch of every possession. And so um, it was an interesting way to call a game because there was constant noise, whether it was players communicating, you know, the squeaking of sneakers, the bouncing of the ball, the two coaches, in particular, Kurt, like talking a lot. Um, It was super interesting to me, um, but it was... It was definitely a different way to watch and listen, and, and, and in particular to call a broadcast with like constant chatter. I don't know if you watched that game, but I, I watched uh, some of all of your games, but I was chasing and chauffeuring four kids right. to various places. So I would get texts from my dad who was watching in Minneapolis various games. Did you see that shot? Or uh, but he was particularly riveted. He 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 of course enjoyed the. Uh, the games, but he was particularly fascinated by um, between games. He switched from ESPN to ABC, and and before the ABC after the ESPN game had ended, but before the ABC game had started in this doubleheader, there was X game X games coverage on on ABC. And mm-hmm. are you watching this skateboarder? These guys are unbelievable. And um, it was I turned it on, and there was some sort of Southern California skateboarding subculture featurette going on. And I said, this is why my brother Tom and I wanted to buy skate a skateboard together when we came back from California in 1977, when we came back from LA. And he said, well, if I, if I knew this was the kind of thing people are doing on skateboards, we, your mother and I never would have let you buy a skateboard. Instead, and, uh, they did. And Tom's first run, he broke his arm, Tom right? On Normandale Hills Boulevard, yes. Yeah, so and he, they he, took it away. <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, it was funny because you texted me um, the first game that we aired was a Seattle New York Liberty game, and you texted me, uh, you know, at some point in the first quarter and said we watched the first ten minutes, but now we're outside because as soon as our kids start watched basketball, they then went and put on their their own jerseys. I think our youngest daughter had a New York Liberty Tina Charles jersey on, and then it was no longer watching the games, but going outside and playing, which is even better. And, um, and it was really cool, too, because on opening day, ESPN and the WNBA had this big push to get people to wear the orange WNBA hoodie. That became the highest or the, the, the best-selling item um, on Fanatic's website that day. They're sold out right now, except in XXL. But um, people are paying attention, and, uh, and that's cool. People outside of our house, our kids aren't really paying attention because they see basketball and it makes them want to go play. But again, that's, that's even better. That's how it was when I was a kid. If... if um Wimbledon was on TV, then my buddies and I would go to the public tennis yeah. court and hit tennis balls. And if it was the World Series, we'd be hitting tennis balls over the fence at John Deere in Bloomington. And, and the, when the, the Final Four was on, you'd be out playing spring ball in the snow and slush, and your fingertips were splitting. And it was the, whatever was going on at the time was what you wanted to do. If the Winter Olympics, you'd be bobsledding on your, on your plastic sled at uh, Hillcrest Elementary. The big difference is... Um, we couldn't go in and put on a jersey. I don't even think they sold them back in those days. But like, you know, our, our youngest sees the Liberty playing. So she's, granted, it's not the same jersey. It's a few iterations ago, but goes and puts on her jersey and goes outside. I can remember as a kid, we would watch Red Sox games and um, Carlton Fisk was my favorite. And I made a catcher's outfit out of paper. Like I cut out the shin guards and the chest protector and taped them to my clothes. <clears throat> my mom had a picture of this somewhere. We had like this football helmet. I put on backwards as my catcher's mask, and I was out there pretending to be 
Carlton Phillips curlers. Yeah, right under the helmet. No, that was back when I had like the um, Dorothy Hamill do. So it was probably very similar to Carlton Fisk's hairdo at the time. You were never tempted to figure skate, and when you had the Dorothy Hamill do, Did no the Hamill camel, no, <laughs> no, because same thing in those days. Like we'd go to the pond to ice skate. This pond that was um, I don't know half mile down from our house, but in the house we had a couple pairs of kids skates that were like the double blades and then once you runners yeah and then once you outgrew those we had one pair of skates they were my mother's a women's size 11 so you if you happen to be that size or smaller you could of course wear them if you're smaller too then you could skate but if not it's not like you were going to a skating rink i'm sure it was probably a little different for you because in minneapolis um in minnesota skating is in hockey so huge but around here we never went to an indoor rink. You shoveled off the pond and put on a pair of skates that didn't just crush your feet. Which reminds me, how are uh, your toes doing after? They're, they're doing. They're they're healing after I wore. Did we talk about this on the podcast? No, we didn't. Last week, uh, we have the same running shoes, different size, but the same. Um, they're just black Nike black running black, shoes, yeah. yeah. And um, but they're identical, other than the size. And somebody put. Well, those shoes in my bin. Our puppy likes to go into the mudroom, grab a, a shoe, and run into the other room. You get it, you put it back. Lather, rinse, repeat. She's constantly taking our shoes, the kids' shoes. So, so somehow, the other morning when I went on my run, I I grabbed the shoes that were in my bin, the black Nikes with the black swoosh, and ran in them. And the run was totally fine. And when I came back, um, I removed the shoe, and it looked like I had just returned from. Appomattox with the Civil War surgeon having cut off my toes. The, I had my sock just, was just gross and bloody. bloody mess. My my toe was uh, cut up, and uh, I realized. Well, I didn't realize. You didn't you realize. Realized I realized. Wearing your shoes. I picked I them up and I looked at them and I was like, "Oh, wait a second here." And I just looked at the size, and that's when I said, <laughs> "And it was probably my fault." Like one of the times. The puppy brought the shoes in. I, I probably just assumed they were yours and put them in your bin instead of in my bin. But uh, yeah, sorry about that. Your foot was—I mean, I, your foot was mangled and gross. Yeah. And then, and then when I when I walk in from running uh, these days, when it's ninety-seven degrees uh, in the afternoon, but from the morning run, the new the the puppy comes over and uses me as a salt lick, and. Um, I find it sweet. You don't. <laughs> well, she's not like salty. Me. I would say, but yeah, she does like. The, and, and but the thing is, because most of her interaction with you is when you've come back from your morning runs, and she comes over and licks your leg, and so that just means now, even if you haven't run and you're not sweaty, she comes over and licks your leg. She just like assumes, you know, that you're going to be this salty, salty treat. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of funny and I'm cute. Not, She's doing you know, great. You know, with my with my um, salty nature and my monocle, I basically become the planter's peanut man. And your salty beard. My salt, well, he doesn't have a beard, but I, yeah. I should just get a top hat and, and finish the, the picture. And a cane. He has a cane too, right? He has a, a yeah. walking stick, I think. Well, let's uh, let's give a little puppy update. We've had her almost three weeks now. She's doing great. She's sort of sleeping through the night now. She, instead of getting up at 3 a.m., which I appreciate, so I haven't seen the stars lately. She's getting up um, between 5.45 and 6.15. She's still not had an accident in the house. How lucky are we? And um, she's just this delightful 
little pup. My sister texted me the other day. She said, how did the family do with Kasha when you were at work all day? And I said, I think they did really well. They seem to have done really well. So how did it go when you, you and the kids were in charge without me around in terms of the dog? It went fine. Yeah, it seemed to. I mean, Kasha, I think, is, is uh, I don't know what language French for couch coucha is what i'm calling her because that's where she spends almost all of her time and the that's couch so is now, not is true interwoven it, with with uh, puppy hair every but. time she tries to get up on the couch i immediately remove her so she knows that that's morning, not okay when i walked into that room she was on the couch i think that's because like the kids hold her or i hold her so we get her fur on us and then we sit down and it gets on the couch either way the it's, end game is that there's still on the fur on the couch okay well she's a delight she is a delight Right? Right. <laughs> when I was um, at ESPN this weekend on Sunday, I had my, you know, my, my water bottle with me, and I accidentally left it in the studio. And, um, and so I came home and I told the kids, because they know over the years I've, when I've gone on trips, I occasionally leave oh, my water bottle, my reusable water bottle on an airplane. But this one I've had for quite a while. Um, Anyway, I told them, you know, that I'd left it at studio, but it's not a big deal. I'll be able to pick it up next time I'm there. And I just loved um, the question that our nine-year-old gave me. She said, uh, because I said, you know, when I go back, I'll be able to get it. She said, will it be in the lost and found? Because, of course, in her world, at school or camps or wherever, there's a lost and found. (laughs) And um, it'd be kind of cool if there's just some big cardboard box at well, espn that said there, lost and I mean, found on there, it why wouldn't there be well there's no way there is but um there might I mean, the, be the things that you might like what if you find something that is obviously lost and not yours where would you take it you would just leave it yeah that's like when i go back on thursday um and the pre the last time i would have been there I'm was talking, sunday but i'm talking about any workplace you know? right but i'm just saying like my water bottle be, will be where i left it that's like sometimes i've been in studio and i see something like on one of the tables ne- next to the desk where we sit and somebody's clearly left it. You just leave it there because you know eventually they're coming back well, and they're going to get during it. During COVID-19, yeah, you're not the t- pandemic, <laughs> of course you're going to leave it there. Yeah, you're not going to touch it with tongs. But uh, but yeah, so I, I just have visions of this like makeshift big box full of, I don't know, various anchors, toupees or, you know lucky pens i don't know what would be the most entertaining thing that would be left at uh you lost your toupee um (laughs) you'd probably go back for it when you get in the car and you realize it was gone unless like you're you're in your convertible unless it wasn't your gamer or something like that (laughs) yeah right that's it it wasn't your game worn toupee it was your practice toupee (laughs) when you were doing your game the other day one bit that i did see um abc news broke into the game with uh, breaking news and my heart just sunk. I mean, these days that could be nuclear war or uh, Any, anything. Yeah. But it, it was to uh, announce the passing of Regis Philbin, of course, uh, ABC icon, and uh, immediately took me back to 2002. Is that when you were traded from the Liberty? Yes, to yep. The Comets, and we were at um, the Reebok Health Club in Manhattan, where the Liberty used to practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were just yeah. But I also we had membership, like, so we would work out there sometimes. brunch or something. Yeah, and um, and Regis Philbin 
came over to the table and sounding exactly like Dana Carvey impersonating Regis Feldman and said, Lobo, we're going to miss you in New York, kiddo. Well, certainly what he said was, <clears throat> Lobo, because right. that's yes, a, whenever yes, I was in. Whenever I would be, which is where I would see him, was either at the Reebok Club, which was right around the corner from ABC Studios, or I was on live with Regis and Kathy Lee. I think it was Kathy Lee at, the, at that time, a couple of times. And um, whenever I would come out, that's what he would say, El Lobo, and his like, you know, his voice. And so whenever I'd see him at the Reebok Club from across the the restaurant or across the whatever floor we would be on work, working out, it'd be El Lobo. And it was basically across the street from ABC where yeah. they taped their show. So I'm sure that's what he said. And then we're going to miss you in New York. Uh, he was a fun guy, though. And, and, and yeah, every time he saw me, that was that was the greeting. And I don't know that we've ever talked about this on the show. Forgive me if we have. But we our apartment that we had uh, in New York after we were married was uh, overlooked the, um, the uh, service loading entrance, dock, the loading dock to, yeah. to uh, ABC on the Upper West Side, and we used to see cars. The garage door would go up, and every morning at eight forty-five or whatever it was, before the show started, I think at nine. I don't know. The um, that day's guest would be going in in a like a town car, and you'd see their elbow uh, reach out the window to sign. For yeah. the same twenty or thirty people who stood outside with eight by ten glossies, um, and then we would go. You turn on the TV. Put on the TV. Who, yeah. elbow who did just we just seen. see? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was James Garner's elbow. So. Yeah. Uh, let's go to viewer mail, shall we? We shall. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. We have a lot of viewer mail this week. Coming into ballandchainpod at gmail.com. I'm not wearing my glasses. I'm wearing contacts. And I don't have a pair of reading glasses. So I'm going to uh, jack the font up to about 90 points on this puppy. And then I'm going to read. And and it, it, actually, we, right before we get into this, that makes me think as you're struggling to read. Yesterday, I think you came back from your run. Same thing. You wore your contacts, didn't have reading glasses. You're filling up your water. Well, Alter, from alternating a, from a from a uh, Poland Springs uh, like cooler office, water yeah. cooler thing, yeah. Alternating between filling your water bottle and spilling on the floor. Well, I was filling a I was filling a previously used like the kind of a bottle of water you would buy at the store, like, like a vitamin water yeah, or something yeah, like that. Little tiny bottle cap yeah. size. Still, uh, okay. I, so I I'm, to, yeah. I, I'm not, um, you know, questioning the degree of difficulty, but when it would start to spill all over the floor. You never pulled your hand off of the button that makes the water come out. Like no, you would just, just then try to move your water under it. it. It was, I don't know what it was, it was like, like it was watching. Like, I was, was in like, the. It was like watching, I'll tell you exactly what it was like watching. It was like watching when we were in South Africa at an elephant rescue place. It was yeah. like watching the elephants urinate. <laughs> it was just splashing down and, and unstoppably torrential. Okay. Is that what you were going to say? No. I was going to say it looked like, like a an old man who can't figure out the button on something because oh. I, I was in the other room and I would say like Steve you're like I know but I, I didn't it was like the, the whole time. thing was it once you see it start spilling out of the bottle and, and you hear it splashing on the floor take your finger off the button it, it was like until the, you can adjust the placement of the bottle I couldn't understand what your brain was doing it was like the time that your mother uh, looked with awe and wonder and, and some confusion at our automated 
ice dispenser in our fridge. Yes. And she, you just put your glass under there, you press, and then the ice comes out. And, and so she did that, and the ice, the glass filled with ice, and then the ice was toppling over the side of the glass, and then it was cascading onto the floor. And she said, how do you stop this thing? Just like Jane Jetson yeah. on, the, on the treadmill, uh, or George Jetson, how do you stop, stop this crazy thing? Um, your yes. mom couldn't, she was powerless to remove yes. the, the glass from the button. It was exactly like that. Yeah. Nothing like, like the, a, it was like a slot machine paying out, but with ice. Nothing like the urinating elephant, but exactly like that. Well, I'm talking about like, the, the why, water. Why? Why don't you just take your finger off the button? Don't know. So we and then the you got and then you got annoyed with me because I was sitting there saying, "Steve, like it's the water spilling all over the floor," and you got annoyed with me. Okay. Yes. Let's get. Okay. The let's mail. get the viewer mail. Thank you, though, for that. You're uh, first uh, comes in from uh, Anne in Mississippi. And she writes, hi, Steve. Uh, no love for you, Beck. Uh, Down East Magazine has this article, hoping the link below works. It actually doesn't, but I, I, um, I'll find it elsewhere, about one pet transporter from Mississippi taking dogs to a rescue in Maine. There was a similar article in Yankee Magazine a year or so ago transporting dogs to Connecticut. The southern folks seem to be much less concerned with controlling numbers of unwanted pets, and the rescues and shelters and pounds are usually full. Thank goodness for folks like you and your family and extended family for giving those pets another chance. Although your new pup may have gone to another family, if you had not adopted her, every family making those adoptions is saving lives. And as much as you grumble about the dogs, she's referring to me, I suspect you're more fond of them than you let on. After all, you don't have to be the Mississippi River gatekeeper. Best to you and your family, Anne. Thank you, Anne. Um, of course, I'm, I'm fond of the dogs. Rebecca and the kids will dispute that. But as I always say, I am the, ones, I am the one keeping them alive by feeding them and whatnot. All of the kids, they've been pretty good with the kids. Uh, have been, been the kids the have been terrific. And you seemed to have a fondness for this little puppy. And um, I'm driving home from uh, from work, and our youngest one FaceTimes me, and um, she said, "You know, Thomas isn't here because when I'm when I'm not here to feed the dog, our son is the one exclusively who has done it." So she said, "You know, how much food? Which of the food?" And so I had to talk her through it. But when you talk about feeding. The, the dogs. I don't think that you've fed the puppy and probably wouldn't know exactly. We, we, you the, were at work the other day and we didn't know how to, and our son uh, who has fed the puppy was at a friend's house. And so we didn't know, the rest of us didn't know how to feed the puppy because she has some weird dish and it looks like it's, the food is subdivided into different wedges in that dish. And then you have to put her in a crate to feed her so that the two dogs don't fight over the food. It's very complicated. No, we didn't know how to, how to feed her. I but uh, but our, our nine-year-old now does. So our nine-year-old and our 11-year-old, um, no, but anyway, they, okay. they, they're learning responsibility, and it's all part of one, you know, the reason to have the dog, and things are going well. Well, on this theme, Jerry writes, Hi, Rebecca and Steve. Congrats on adopting a rescue dog. Steve, I could hear the surprise in your voice when the term kill shelter, an oxymoron, was mentioned. There are several dog groups around the U.S. whose purpose is to rescue dogs from these shelters and then transport them to a forever or foster home. Rebecca, your group was lucky to have the means to tr- lucky to have the means to transport many dogs together. Often, a coordinator will set up a schedule where volunteers will drive a leg and pass the dog to another volunteer. The last one we did had 16 transfers. So we wow. just imagine it's one guy pulling an all-nighter, uh, um, smoking the bandit style, cannonball run style, all night. But no, evidently not. It sounds more like a bucket brigade or a relay race. Often a coordinator will set up a schedule when volunteers will drive a leg and pass the dog on to another volunteer. Uh, the last one we did is 16 transfers. Sorry, I already read that. My wife and I have driven from southern Nevada to northern Arizona, northern California, and southern Utah to pick up and pass off dogs. 
I suggest interested listeners Google their state and dog rescue. There's a temptation to adopt the dogs, but we have a full house already with four rescues. Keep up the great parenting and professional work you do. I'm a big fan. Jerry, thank you, Jerry. And uh, P.S. Steve, I hope you've been able to wear the Metropolitan Stadium t-shirt I have. Thanks very much is for that. Is that the one you're wearing right now? Uh, no, this is a this is actually a, uh, a Met Center, the arena uh, t-shirt from uh, a Minnesota company called Soda Stick. So... This is from uh, Stacy with a Y and no E in Edmonds, Washington. And Stacy writes, uh, Dear Stephen Rebecca, as I listened to the viewer mail this week of the fond memories of leaving games early, it brought back memories of my dad as well. However, mine was the opposite experience. My dad never left a game early, no matter what the score. My now 23-year-old son still thinks about still talks about going to Mariners games with Papo as a little guy wanting to leave early in the waning innings of another double-digit loss by the M's. I mean, that... Uh, I've left baseball like Red Sox games with our kids when they were younger in the fifth inning, maybe even before that. They could only take so much punishing sun and uh, and baseball. I wonder if some of that is the people who really like to keep their own scorebook. Like, did you ever keep your own scorebook yeah, yeah. when you went to games? And then would that make you um, more reluctant to leave like early because you yeah, want to complete no, it? I mean, yeah. we, I didn't, we didn't generally leave like twins games early when I was a kid no and then but, like uh, so if you're and then if you did leave early would you you know look at the pa- the box score in the paper the next day to fill in your own scorecard occasionally the worst was I, I I kind of started to keep score by watching games on tv and the game that you always want to I always wanted to score was the all-star game and of course that's uh you know they're trying to get 25 guys into the game and there's Making substitutions every inning, it was it was almost impossible game to score. But uh, but anyway, Stacy writes the experiences of going to games with my dad all those years growing up. He passed away ten years ago. Formed my adult sports and concert watching habits. To this day, I always stay to the end and have had the joy of experiencing some epic comebacks in stoppage time. Seattle Sounders fourth quarter storm, and even a few late inning. Uh, late-inning shenanigans by those same Mariners. We also get to hear and see the full encore of every concert. Always wait for the house lights. I'm grateful to my dad as he taught me to stick it out as you never know what can happen. Thanks so much for the podcast. It's been my COVID entertainment, COVID-19, the pandemic. <laughs> so excited for the WNBA to start for the WNBA to start up. Go Storm. I have the Saturday morning circled on my calendar. That would have been last Saturday, of course. Thank you, Stacy. Ken, um, Dr. Ken, Let's give him his due in PhD in, doctor or MD doctor um, or DDS PhD and um, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, my father's hometown. Nice. So um, that's kind of a double doctorate, uh, <laughs> a doctorate in life. Uh, he writes, "Dear Rebecca and Steve, I hope this message finds you well with a kid's shuttle schedule not too busy and puppy training not too barky." In Pod One Thirty Three, your joint memories rekindled one of my own. As Rebecca recalled the anniversary of her mother's death, I was thinking of my own mom who died earlier this month. Sorry to hear that, Ken. And then Steve mentioned rhubarb pie. My mom also used to make rhubarb pie, and like the Russians, my brothers and I would never eat it. I think we would have. I think we may have even. Uh, given my mom a hard time about making a pie that didn't taste particularly good. Anyway, I had forgotten all about rhubarb pie until the podcast, and it was a good memory. And although I'm sure Steve remembers, rhubarb was the partner of Ribby as the White Sox mascots in the 1980s. Picture attached, rhubarb is on the right. And indeed, here are two uh, kind of multicolored, Philly fanatic-inspired um, uh, mascots that that uh, I had completely forgotten about. I remember one of them was called rhubarb. R O R O O B A R B. Rhubarb uh, is the is mm-hmm. the the gal, and uh, and Ribby. I assume 
you know, RBI, runs batted in, Ribby. Right. Um, I assume rhubarb came after Ribby, perhaps made from Ribby's rib, a, a la Adam I Eve. get it, yeah. I know you get it. I'm just, what <laughs> you say it with contempt. I'm rolling my anger. eyes. There's no anger. I'm just rolling my eyes. It's my job as your wife. Anyway, Ken, thank you very much for that. Missy writes, um, blueberries abound in the Pacific Northwest. I just had to make Irma's blueberry buckle. Wow, it was amazing. Thanks for sharing it. By the way, is Steve silently correcting my grammar? I, I, I don't see anything to correct, but she encloses, attaches, I should say, a picture of Irma's, the, the blueberry buckle that she made. This this would oh, be lo- amazing. like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. This would be Missy's Irma's blueberry buckle. <laughs> yes, it would be. Um, Doesn't Missy's Irma's blueberry buckle look amazing? It looks though? amazing. Can you send that to me, that picture, so I can post it on our Instagram uh, you can account? I practically taste it. I, I, I wonder if Missy's Irma's blueberry buckle is better than Irma's blueberry buckle. I, I don't think there's any way that's possible. But, you know, I talked last week. I was going to make Irma's blueberry buckle because I we brought home a bowl full of blueberries that we got when we went to the um, farm to pick your own. And... Uh, we didn't make it because the blueberries were so good. The kids and I ate them all. <laughs> so we got to go blueberry picking again so we can make the blueberry buckle. Uh, hi, Receiver writes Ralph in Maryland. And, and and I just, you know, this is like ball and chain out of context. This is um, uh, non sequitur extraordinaire. I don't know what he's referring to. I, I, I do know what he's referring to. He's referring to something that one of our kids said about George Washington's teeth or hair or Hamilton. He was watching Hamilton. Our daughter asked, our youngest asked if I could find a photograph of him without his wig. Then someone else said they were going to send a photograph of him without his teeth, but it ended up also being a painting. But I think it was in a museum in Maine that where it list, was listed as a photograph. You don't remember any of that. Well, I do, but I just love this sentence. The opening okay. sentence is... Hi, Restiva. I'm sending you links of a hatted George Washington with no wig and a bewigged Benjamin Franklin. I saw the image of Franklin on a TV show during the last week. A bewigged Benjamin Franklin. Uh, That's that's maybe one of the better phrases that we've had on. Bewigged Benjamin Franklin. A bewigged Benjamin Franklin, yes. Send me those two so I can post those. This is is, um, is a a Google image page. I mean, if if you... image search Ben Franklin, you'll find eventually a a photo of the bewigged Benjamin Franklin. Back in the early 60s, writes Ralph, I attended the game between the Giants and the Washington football team, in quotation marks, at the original Yankee Stadium with my grandfather, father and brother. The Giants were leading 20 to 3 at the end of the third quarter. My grandfather wanted to beat the traffic, so we left. We listened to the game on the way home, and the DCs came back to tie the game. That's how the game ended, as there was no overtime at the time. I cannot say that I regretted it, but it stuck with my dad. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the cost of leaving early. But, I, I you know, I, I again, I'm fine with uh, we left early a Giants-Patriots um, Giants game at Gillette. Your father, myself, my uh, your brother, and my brother-in-law, the year that the Giants ended up playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And did, did we regret leaving early? No, we saved two hours to miss the last five minutes, during which time I think Eli Manning – had a comeback drive for the Giants to win. But anyway, I got home two hours earlier and didn't feel like I had missed anything. But then again, I'm old and jaded. We've got a couple um, coming in on Twitter, and our, our our handle there is at Ball and Chain Pod. And Chris sent me a tweet that said, uh, great matchup to start the WNBA season. 
um, I'm able to share it with my eight-year-old daughter, the play of Brianna Stewart, Sue Bird, and Sabrina. And she asks, this is his eight-year-old daughter, she asks, isn't that voice the lady from Ball and Chain podcast? And then the next, so that was Saturday. Then Sunday, Chris sent me a tweet again. He said, different day, different game, different daughter. The 12-year-old said, Daddy, I think Rebecca Lobo is announcing this basketball game. The announcer sounds just like the Ball and Chain podcast. What a, what a great discovery that that the Rebecca Lobo of the Ball and Chain podcast is now moonlighting right. <laughs> as a basketball analyst. I know. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I love it. Eight-year-old and 12-year-old. That's fantastic. Uh, Lori with an I, L-O-R-I, writes, uh, her, her header is, hello from Walla Walla again, again. And Lori with uh, L-O-R-I writes, I've noticed from recent podcasts that there are a great many of us named Lori, 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 L-O-R-I, L-A-U-R-I, L-A-U-R-I-E, L-O-R-I-E, who listen to and respond to you. And in fact, as the sort of keeper of the flame of, of your mail here, the one who has to go, not has to, gets, gets the privilege yes. going through them and reading them, I've noticed that as well, now that she mentions it. There we're, seem to be a lot of Lori's. We're big with the Lori demographic. Yeah, I think Tough Schist is a, is a Lori with a different spelling, and yeah, um, we we have to we should assign a Lori laureate. I like that idea. But uh, uh, not just an observation, writes Lori. Not worthy of discussion, I don't think. Well, well, we've we'll proven determine you wrong. That, yes. yes, not worthy of discussion on this podcast. <laughs> what what could that possibly? I even mean, we mean? talked about. Elephant urination yes, already yes, today. Right. I am, however, <laughs> relatively certain that I'm the only Lori listener from Walla Walla. So with your permission, I'll continue to be your Walla Walla correspondent as a solo act. Has the new puppy finished with the wine it out method yet? Lori asks. Or did you not go in that direction? Either way, I know of a way, but I know of a way for the adult humans in the household to wine it out without the age. Uh, well, we did talk about that, um, not on the podcast, but the other day. We, we put the, the the puppy in the crate while we ate or while the other dog ate. This is just like said, well, she's going to be whining. And we said, well, we'll put on headphones or we'll go to a different room. Right. We so don't have to listen to this it. This happened last night because she, she had already eaten. And um, we put her, I said, let's put her in her crate while we eat, which is what we've been doing. And um, she was whining a little bit. And that's what I said to the kids. I said, I mean, it's not the most pleasant thing to listen to, but let's just ignore it. Didn't even last very long. And the next thing you know, we're halfway through dinner. And I asked our son, I said, what's going on with Kasha in her crate? And he looked, he said, she's asleep. So um, it's actually the wine, wine, wine out method. What did she call it? Wine what did Lori out. call it? And then she enclosed wine, a, a, link, a link to, a, a, I think, a British Columbia a winery that um, she has enjoyed using in the wine it well, out the, method. Well, the wine it out method is going well. And I, I think you and I, Steve, have earned the wine it in yes, method. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right, our next viewer mail comes in from Teresa with no H, T-E-R-E-S-A. And Teresa writes, Hi, Rebecca and Steve. I've been an avid BNC podcast listener since last summer. So as the pandemic changed so many things in all of our lives, I loved hearing about the time that you guys were spending as a family doing puzzles. Not having puzzled in many years, my partner and I decided to use some of our stay-at-home to do puzzles. It has now become one of our favorite pastimes. So much so that we decided to share our purchased puzzles in a lending library for our neighborhood here in Atlanta. We secured an unused single copy newspaper box. There's a photo attached and this is just magnificent. Added some decorations. There are puzzle pieces uh, adhered to the outside. Communicated the library's existence through social media and now neighbors come by and take one or leave one to keep all of us entertained while still staying, so staying socially distanced. 
Uh, this is just, this is incredible, Rebecca. This gives me faith in humanity. This is what a great idea. We should do this. We've got a stack of two dozen puzzles in our in our former dining now puzzling room, uh, uh, a little free library of puzzles. So where do they have? Where do they put theirs? Is well, it's, like it's, right on, it's on there? a leafy. It's on a leafy street. I mean, where do they put it? It's on a leafy street next to, at the corner of a white picket fence. I mean, uh, apparently it's it's in some idyllic um, uh, place where where people leave and take puzzles. And um, I, I hope that hasn't been sabotaged anywhere where somebody is, you know, returns the puzzle with a piece missing or, right. or a piece from a wrong puzzle. Or returns something that doesn't belong in there at all. What an amazingly, just a lovely idea. And um, I mean, it, it looks, just makes uh, me happy. Yeah, The only thing that bums me out is that it's in a uh, former newspaper box because those, of course, were once the staples of street corners. Mm-hmm. And but but what a what a great idea! Thank you, Teresa. Oh, and I, I forgot. Uh, uh, Teresa added Rebecca. I, I I just skimmed over this because it had your name in it. But it says Rebecca. We were we we're jazzed as the WNBA season gets underway, and we'll be watching every game we can. Love your analysis, both with the WNBA and the NCAA. We're huge women's basketball fans, and appreciate everything you have done for the game. So thank you. I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be back calling these games. It's so much well, fun. If they're, if they're planning to watch every game they can, there's plenty more of games than uh, there have been previous years. Well, from one Atlantan to another, adjacent Atlantans, adjacent Atlantans. Is one of them Dr. Mary Siegel? The, this one is. The previous one was Teresa was from Atlanta. That puzzle box. Oh, he's in Atlanta. Was in Atlanta. I wonder if Dr. Siegel he, will go. She, and- Teresa. No, no, I'm saying I wonder oh, if Dr. Siegel will go, go to, the, to, well, the, to the lending puzzle box. will have to find out where that is and, and uh, borrow and or leave one. Dr. Siegel encloses a fi- picture of one-year-old Lady Harriet Hattie. Hattie? Why does it say Hattie? Hattie. H-A-T-T-I-E. I don't know. Hattie. Hattie. Why am I saying it that way? Hattie. I don't know. I didn't think if I pronounced it Hattie is more natural, don't you think? Neither seem natural right now, but... All right. One-year-old Lady Harriet Hattie and her two uh, work-from-home parents drove two days from Texas to Georgia to see ball and chain swag in person. Also, they needed a bit of a break during lockdown. And and, uh, is Hattie rocking a a ball and chain? No, she's she's wearing a bib, actually. Oh, she's got got a magnet leaning against her sippy cup. Now, this is is one of those (laughs) two-handled sippy cups. And and I must say, a... um, a food dish not unlike our own kashas with different compartments and what looks to be like uh, kibble in in various compartments. But the best part is she's rocking a bib uh, that says, I literally can't even. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. So uh, kudos. Beautiful, Hattie. Uh, well, uh that just uh, got me thinking as you're talking. About uh, you got the, me thinking about the sippy cup, man. It's, our sippy cups have been out of our lives for a few years now. It makes you a little sad, doesn't it? Does, it does, yeah. Um, Those things would be, you know, thrown in, in you, into inaccessible places. and. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and the car. Yeah. And how, many, how often did you drive with one hand on the wheel and the other one reaching behind you trying to grab the sippy cup off the floor so you could hand it to the kid in the car seat? Um, but as you've been talking about the puppy's dish, we got this dish because our dog was – Kasha was eating her food in like 30 seconds flat and it's you know it's just got some bumps in it (laughs) and to make little compartments so she has to work a little harder for the food so she slows down to eat it and um 
that reminds me too that I went last week to the first puppy training class where we didn't bring the dog. It was just the the, the dog owner and the teacher. There's six um, six dogs. My sister's also in this class, and so we go to and and the teacher said, you know, you can bring your whole family, whoever wants to learn about puppy training. So I asked you. I said, you know, would you want to come with me to the puppy training classes? And um, and I think your response was, uh, sounds like Lamaze. Which we never went to either. Wait a minute, I but, said, uh, sounds like Lamar. Well, that's, that's how I read it in the text. Yeah. But um, I'm going to put oh, up. So a text. I'm going to put up on a um, on a Twitter poll on our Ball and Chain account a, a a poll and see if people think you will go to the class with me this Wednesday or you will not go to the what class. What time with is the class on Wednesday? This Wednesday. It's in the evening. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll be interested both to see what the results of the poll are and to see whether or not I go. Yeah, me too. The next viewer mail comes in from uh, Julianne, J-U-L-I-A-N-N-E. There are two different ways to spell Julie and, and, and two different ways to spell Anne. Mm-hmm. So this is perfect for us. And she writes, Dear Mr. and Mrs. Russian. Ooh. Wow. A rare show of uh, youth. Formality and youth, yes. Uh, Dear Mr. and Mrs. Russian, my name is Julianne, and I'm 10 years old. What? Hi, Julianne. I love listening to your podcast with my parents. Well, imagine that. Imagine that. We love having you listen, Julianne. We apologize for everything we've said uh, in the previous 134 podcasts. And I was wondering if you could give me the title of resident child listener. Absolutely. I mean, of course. Julianne. Is our resident child listener. Ten-year-old Julianne of Connecticut, I should add, is our resident child listener. Uh, I play basketball and soccer. Both of my parents coach me in basketball, so they love hearing your stories about how you coach your kids. Mrs. Russian, you probably do not remember this, but I met you once. You were calling a Connecticut Sun versus Chicago Sky game at Mohegan Sun, and a little girl in a Yukon Husky shirt came up to you and asked you for your autograph. That was me. I've included a picture, and here, Rebecca, is a picture of her signing, of you signing for her. There was a man behind me yelling, we love your podcast. That was my dad. <laughs> I do remember. Oh, are you sure it wasn't me who was yelling, <laughs> we love your podcast? I um, we Trying will, to stir that up. We will have to respond to Julianne's email because I would love to be able to post a picture of our child listener, but we I wouldn't do that of without her parents' permission. Mr. Russian, the next time you send out swag, can you please include some for me? Absolutely, and I will do that this week. I mean, how can you not? I will do that this week, and, and I've, I'm behind on swag to other people, some of whom have given up and some of whom have passive-aggressively said, you know, uh, I've given up on getting swag. What if you ever send it out? Here's the address. So we will absolutely send it out, Julianne. I hope that you and your family stay safe in these, quote, unprecedented times of uncertainty, writes Julianne, <laughs> from Julianne uh, in Connecticut. Thanks so much, Julianne. That, that makes our day. That makes my day. Makes our that, week. along with the... The puzzle exchange. Um, I, I'm gonna have a, a a hop in my step today. Okay. This uh, next one comes in from Angela. The usual spelling. And uh, Angela writes, Rebecca, watching the opening weekend of the WNBA season has been thrilling. My wife and I loved hearing you on the call. We had a question about the production, and I thought you might be able to answer. The Storm Liberty game was relatively quiet without much, if any, music. The Aces Sky game was much louder with player and sideline noise, but also with music. We wondered whether the music we were hearing on our TV was also heard on the court. Was it diegetic or non-diegetic? D-I-E-G-E-T-I-C. Was it diegetic or non-diegetic? Rebecca, are you familiar with 
with uh, diegetic. The, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. Um, I'll, I'll say well, this. Well, let me let's, okay. let me finish. In either case, is it up to the teams to decide whether there will be music, or is it a league decision that is evolving game by game? For the record, we enjoyed this extra sound as it added a lot of texture and excitement to the broadcast. Thanks for sharing any insight you may have, and thanks to you and Steve both for the podcast. Cheers, Angela. Thank you, Angela. While Rebecca talks about answers your question, I'm going to Google diegetic. This is what I can um, tell her in, 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 as I try to answer that question. We are not, as a broadcast, pumping in any sound. We are not pumping in any crowd noise. We are not pumping in any music. So whatever you hear is also what the players are hearing on their court. Now, our two games um, this past weekend, one of them was at noon and the other one was at 3 o'clock. They were actually on separate courts. They look identical, but the WNBA is using two identical looking courts for their basketball games and one of the reasons they're not just playing the games on the same floor is that they need time to clean disinfect whatever in between games so when you were watching the first game the new york liberty game versus seattle that was on one court and then the the la game was on another court so maybe um in the second game they had the ability to pump the music in and didn't in the first but um but I will find out for sure by asking my colleague Holly Rowe, who is in the Wubble. Um, she will, you know, be able to find that out. She was actually at both games. Um, so again, whatever you hear on the telecast is what's happening in the arena. We at ESPN are not adding any sound other than Ryan and my uh, and Holly's voices. Um, but that's interesting because the second game certainly had more energy and noise and, and a bigger feel um, because of that. Uh, and I don't know if um, Angela has been in film studies, but let me tell you what diegetic sound is, okay? Okay. Diegetic sound is any sound that emanates from the story or narrative world of a film, which is referred to in film studies as diegesis. Diegetic sound can include everything from the voices of characters to the sounds of objects or music coming from a radio or an, instru or an instrument, anything that exists in the story world. So that's a perfect description of, of what we're talking about here, yeah. or what she's talking about here. Yeah. Just a couple more here. Uh this comes from another Teresa, Teresa with an H, uh, but this is uh, Teresa the Critter Sitter, TR the Critter Sitter. Mm -hmm. I think presumably with puppy-related uh, so. uh, uh, knowledge here. Steve and Rebecca, I must congratulate you. As a pet sitter, I'm ecstatic on how you're handling the new puppy situation. I'm very impressed. Uh, considering that I've done nothing, I'm, I'm, uh, that makes me feel good. That makes me feel good. Uh, keep up the great work. Steve, you know why Rebecca's sleeping next to the crate. She doesn't want you to wake up and be tired from all the work you will have to do with a puppy. Well, that, <laughs> Something that's, that, like that. that makes sense. Yes, that, that does make sense. I'm also ecstatic because basketball is back. Wasn't sure if, if I was going to like the new setup. Rebecca and Ryan are awesome as always. Holly is a treasure. I love being able to focus on the game with no crowd noise. Great basketball this past weekend. And, and it, it's interesting because I've, I've watched several baseball games now in addition to the WNBA games. And uh, um, I thought, eh, the pumped-in noise, it's artificial. It's, I, I, I actually find the sort of white noise of the of the uh, just murmuring and the kind of uh, background music of the of the crowd noise kind of comforting. Uh, big cheer for a home run or a booing and all that stuff seems much phonier, but just kind of the the wave machine of of you know 
people murmuring, even though they're cardboard cutouts in the background, I have found oddly oddly comforting. Well, it's um, one of the things that Ryan and I did not have any idea about is like what it was going to feel like for us because we're at, you know, we're socially distant from one another. We're at the same long desk, but you know, more than six feet apart. And um, it was, I don't know if a relief is the right word, but when we had the game winner by Allie Quigley and Ryan still had his normal big call, like you still felt it in your body. He's like, not having to shout over a crowd, but no, he's, but he's, he still got exactly. had the big voice. And like when there was a close game late, you still felt it. Like when you're in an arena calling a game, and the same thing I'm sure for a fan, except for a fan is actually rooting for one of the teams. We're not. We're just, you feel it as you're calling the game. Like, you know, the the energy behind it. And we still, even though we were so far away, you still felt it as um, as Chicago was coming back or when Allie Quigley made this huge shot. So, um you know, and, and Ryan's call sounded just like it would have if we had been in the arena. And, um, we should and get part Ryan. of that is just because he's so darn good. But We should uh, get him back on the podcast because as somebody who covers, who, who calls basketball and baseball games now without a, without a crowd, I imagine, I don't know, but I imagine he, like so many others, announced games off of his TV right. as a kid or in high school or in college. And I imagine that ex- this experience must be Similar to that, only with a lot more polish and, right. and the budget behind it. Right, right. Yeah, we should. Well, anyway, TR, the Critter Sitter, has an important question, she says. Now for the important question. Have you seen that you can now put digital puzzles together on your phone or device? Every time I see an ad for one of for one of these on my phone, and I've seen the same ads, I think of the Russian family. You would never lose any puzzle pieces, but my guess is that you like actually touching the puzzle pieces. Plus, family time is so important. Yes, the artificial crowd noise doesn't bother me. Doing uh, virtual puzzles... That seems to me like, you know, maybe to pass the time in an airport, but it defeats the whole purpose of doing the physical yeah. puzzles, which is being around a table, you. arguing, et cetera. It's to get people off of their devices. But but I understand why uh, it could be soothing in its own way. It's kind of like Tetris. Tetris, do you remember Tetris? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, you know, kind of fitting those pieces together. It was kind of a kind I bet of you were not good at it at all. Oh, it's terrible. Works, it's it's like packing a trunk. Yeah, yeah I, no, I was I was pretty good at Tetris, but I could see that you would not have been. Well, this wasn't condescending in the least. Oh no, just like you, you're better at uh, word jumbles, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. Just like that. Yeah, yeah, I I I can do this practical thing. Uh, my spatial relations are really good. I can pack things. I know how to. I can do things that that serve the rest of us uh, when it comes to storing stuff away. Or but you, Steve, you're good at word jumbles. You can, like, you can do the wordy-gurdy on the comic page of the newspaper really well. You want me to say how good you are at putting water into a bottle? Okay. Uh, finally, our last viewer mail comes in from uh, Deb uh, with two Bs. I, I don't really believe that Deb has two Bs, but she signs her, her, her viewer mail with two Bs. Her email signature, her email is, is uh, Deb with one B. Her signature is Deb with two Bs. She's I think she's doing that, playing so we right will. into her. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. But maybe not. been more interesting if it was Deb with two Ds. Deb with two Ds. Right. I like it. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Greetings and salutations, right, Deb, writes Deb uh, with one or two Bs. May I just start by saying that I have never picked my own? Well, that's that's comforting, and that's for people who missed last week's podcast. Go back and listen. Yes. We're not going to yes. give the cliff notes. <laughs> uh, that's like a bewigged Ben Franklin. <laughs> 
I think it's really great that you're raising your kids right by listening to old songs and watching Dave and Johnny clips. We're still watching Dave and Johnny. And, and last night, we've been watching a string of, of stup- stupid human tricks uh, at bedtime. And last night, uh, my son, underwhelmed by that batch of stupid human tricks, said, uh, said as if he were addressing Dave. Now, my son's 11. He said, Carson's better. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that is a uh, cold but but I, I like that he has an opinion on Dave versus Johnny. He loves Dave. And, I, and his, that's, that, and his that whole was, exposure has just been these small clips. That, yeah, yeah. But and I isn't mean, the, the Taco Bell drive-thru, isn't that still the favorite oh of all gosh, time? Oh, my gosh. It's their favorite of all time. And they love Letterman. I mean, they, 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 they absolutely love Letterman. Um, he, he was he was trying to get into the spirit of, of um, the sort of uh, trading barbs and zingers by, right. by uh, getting a sick burn on Dave. But, uh, but he loves him. Um, Remember when he used to call that call that women who worked uh, across the street and they filmed her while they talked? Yes. Oh, I, I had forgotten. I believe her name is Meg, and she eventually came in the studio to meet Dave. There's around a 90-minute uh, compilation video on YouTube. Great stuff. We will be watching that tonight. I had forgotten about that. He used to call somebody working across the way. He could see out the office window at 30 Rock and, and talk. Do you remember this? I don't. You don't remember this. Anyway, no. we'll be watching that on YouTube. Uh, also, do you remember the elevator races at 30 Rock? Of course, uh, it's a clip that that uh, we've enjoyed. Too many funny things to mention. There, there are so many. I mean, Letterman in the 80s at, at the Rockefeller Center, um, just because it was in my generational wheelhouse, was, uh, I mean, the guy was so confident, electric, and and uh, entertaining that uh, this we're, we're, we're going down that YouTube rabbit hole. Uh, when I was in high school, right, Stab, our family went to a Minnesota Kicks game at the old Mets Stadium. We decided to leave early. As we walked down the winding ramp, I remember those so well, we heard cheering and rushed to an entrance to discover that the team had scored. We started walking again, and it happened again. It's been so long ago that I don't remember what team the Kicks were playing, uh, who scored, or, but I remember missing the goals. I still have a Kicks t-shirt, which I'm, I'm sure is worth millions now. Gosh, I, uh, uh, I probably may have worked that Kicks game. Attaching a pic of our B&C coaster with our 49 Chevy. Didn't think you had one like that. We don't travel much, but we travel across the yard with our coaster. And here is a vintage, uh, what is it? What year? 1949 Chevy with a B&C coaster in front of it. Um, one quick word about belts. And it's a, this is a good note to end on. We haven't really discussed belts, have we? Yes, today? I or, said how I didn't see... I didn't look at belts as being practical. That I just saw oh, them as I a see. fashion. I was accessory. I was hoping that that we had gotten a viewer mail that said one quick word about belts. Yeah. We need to introduce. This was last week. You we, don't we, remember we that we talked about belts last week. Increasingly obscure subject. By the way, our nine-year-old has just entered the room and is, is uh, stretching. So I think that's our cue to wrap this up. But uh, one quick word about belts. Writes Deb. I come from a farm slash ranch background, and belts are almost always worn. If not to keep pants, if not to keep pants up to attach. A uh, knife, a Leatherman multi-tool, cell phone case, or other things. Attaching a pic of the Leatherman so you can learn something today. So Deb has today has written to us about Letterman and Leatherman, which which I I really enjoy. And uh, but I, I love but I love belts. Is is I come from a farm ranch background and belts are almost always worn. Aren't they sometimes new? On that note. No, no, no. It's not. I, but this is because there's an old joke that says, "What's worn under a Scotsman's kilt?" And the Scotsman's answer is nothing. It's all in perfectly working order. <laughs> on that note. On that note, Tom, Dick, Harry, please, please, let us know.
says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.